Hello, everyone, and welcome into today's edition of To The Point Podcast. Everybody's doing well. A lot to get into today. Uh, some some news in the baseball world. We got NFL free agency. Uh, you had last night, you had uh, the first four in the March Madness start. The Maple Leafs won a game. That's obviously a headline. Vegas Golden Knights continue to struggle. So lots lots to get into today. Lots of drama, lots of rumor, innuendo, lots of content which is exactly what we root for here on the podcast. But, um, you know, I, I've heard rumors the last couple of days, and you read all these articles, and you say, well, you know, Freddie Freeman would, would be a good fit for the Blue Jays. And I've, I've heard this for a few days, and I, I never really understood it because I said, well, where's Freddie Freeman going to play? He's a first baseman. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the third is a is a first baseman. Is Vladdy gonna DH? Is Freddie gonna DH? I I would love Freddie Freeman. I would love his bat, but I just didn't see a natural fit. I just didn't see a spot where I said, okay, that, that makes the most sense. But then you look around and I see, well, I mentioned this yesterday. Third base is really a spot where the Toronto Blue Jays could look to upgrade. Santiago Espinal is a really good utility player. He can play third, second, short. He can play anywhere in the infield, but he's not an elite player. He's a guy that you want to be playing, you know, 80 games a year. He might play spot duty late in games, but not a guy you want with a bat in his hand every day of the season. And today, to the credit of the Toronto Blue Jays, to the credit of their management, who I think are really, you know, uh, Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins, I think both guys are very good at what they do. I think they're very good team builders. And although they were really given a lot of criticism early on, I think they've delivered on the promise of, you know, delivering and providing a really good team to the city of Toronto. And what did the Blue Jays do today? They go out there and trade for a three-time gold glove winner, a one of the best defensive third basemen in baseball. You could argue the best. And that would be Matt Chapman of the Oakland Athletics. And Oakland has been tearing it down. They traded uh, Olsen the other day to the Atlanta Braves. They traded their manager, Bob Melvin, to the San Diego Padres earlier in the offseason. And now Matt Chapman, the guy who anchors the corner, who is as stable as it gets, is now a Toronto Blue Jay. And... I'll start off by saying this uh, for a new audience, people don't listen to me. I don't have a favorite team. I don't root for anybody. Uh, Toronto is the only Canadian team in baseball, but to be quite honest, I could give a crap if they win, but I look at moves. I look at decisions. I look at management. I think this is a home run move for the Toronto blue Jays. They have four prospects, Kevin Smith, who would have likely been competing for a roster spot this year, likely third base but they get Matt Chapman instead. Gunnar Hoglund, you know, it looks like he's going to be a starter. Kirby Sneed is a reliever. I think he could have made the Blue Jays team. But you got to you got to spend money to make money. And these guys are fringe MLBers. You're, what you get on your team now is a guy who's a major league talent, who has some offensive power in that bat. And the biggest thing for me is he's – Phenomenal defensively. And 
Bo Bichette, I've talked about it. I don't love him at short. I think he's a. I think uh, long term, he'd be better as, as a second baseman. I just don't think he's that great defensively. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's gotten better. He still has his warts at first. I think it was so imperative just to get somebody in there that can play 150, 155 games. You know he's going to be solid. He's going to have competitive at bats. He'll be consistent. And it's just. It's a spot really the Blue Jays have not occupied since Josh Donaldson departed. And oddly enough, when the Blue Jays went on their run, got to the American League Championship Series twice, they traded with the Oakland Athletics for a third baseman. Josh Donaldson, as you all know, went on to win a MVP, runner-up for an MVP, and was a, a Toronto icon. Well, they go down the same well, and... Chapman is not the offensive player that Donaldson is. I don't see him being an MVP type player, but who knows? People, I, I didn't see Marcus Simeon coming last year. Matt Chapman has, he could hit 30 home runs, get 85 to 90 RBIs. That's not out of the realm of possibility. But even if he is, you know, he bats 250, gets 20 to 25 home runs, solid, has little to no errors at third. I think that's the biggest part of this team. Because they have the bats to compete with anyone in the American League. You could argue anyone in, in baseball. But too many times last season, the Toronto Blue Jays should have won games. Or the, you could say, well, is there relief pitching? Okay. At the same time, there was errors and errors and Bo Bichette in the wrong position. Blackberry Greer Jr. makes a wrong play. Out to lunch in the outfield. And those catch up with you. There were games they threw away because of just defensive misassignments and just it wasn't working. So now I look at it and say, this is a great move. It's a phenomenal move. The Blue Jays, he was going to get traded. Oakland was dealing him somewhere. You want to be the team that gets him. And it's win now. The Toronto Blue Jays should have the mindset, why not us? Why not the Toronto Blue Jays? Okay, well, oh, the New York Yankees are in front of you. Well, the New York Yankees, kind of an old team. Chapman's mid-30s. Donaldson's mid-30s. Stanton is in his 30s. They have guys that are have really big names, have a lot of brand name value. But I look at the New York Yankees like an old pair of Jordans. But not like the, the pair that you kept in the box and that you took really good care of. They're like that pair of Jordans that you wore outside and you forgot it was muddy. You drag them inside and you're like, holy shit, I just lost myself a ton of money. Or the Yankees are like the <laughs> they're like that game ball that was sold, Tom Brady's last touchdown that was sold. And now that poor bastard ever bought it for half a million bucks. He's sitting there saying, this is completely worthless the second Tom Brady takes a snap in week one for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, Blue Jays are young. They're fresh. I think the Rays are still a throw. I would, second base could still be improved. They could still add another starting pitcher, in my mind. I Kikuchi, they added. He's good, but I, you know, I, I, I look at their team, and you could still, Hyunjin Ryu is a question mark. He's gotten worse every year since he's come to Toronto. He seems to fade in the middle of the seasons. He's got a bloated earn run average. 
How is Manoa going to respond after a great rookie rookie campaign? How does he pitch? So, all the, but every team has warts, and I think that's something that is you know in in Canada. Obviously, the Blue Jays get talked about more. Uh, in in the states on on the mothership, they're going to talk about the Yankees. They're going to talk about the Dodgers. That's really the only two teams they talk about. But these other teams, have, the, Tampa Bay doesn't have great hitting. Maybe it's just a year where a bunch of guys they sign for dirt cheap money because that's all they do don't produce. And they have an off season. The Red Sox had a great year last year, better than anybody you, you could have even thought of. Well, maybe it doesn't go as well. Maybe it's not as easy to transition. They drop off. The Blue Jays scoot in a little bit. They they only missed the playoffs by one game last year. And then, like I mentioned, the Yankees aren't the greatest team ever. There's also extended, uh, expanded playoffs. More teams are going to get in. So there's more opportunity than ever for these teams, to, you know, for a team like the Blue Jays, for a team, I, I look at the Chicago White Sox. The Twins are a weird team because I see them add players and they trade them off. And I'm like, well, what are they doing? So there's that, but there's a lot of good free agents still available. And the Blue Jays at Matt Chap at add Matt Chapman. Sorry. Great. Like I said, great move. Love it. I look at a guy that they could add, and this isn't a pitcher. This would require a lot of money. They're not going to do it. I don't know if he'd want to come to the Blue Jays. But I really like Nick Castellanos. Nick Castellanos, former third baseman, turned right fielder. He's still free, which I, I couldn't believe. I, I read that last night. He's a really good ball player. He's smart. I think he's a guy that teammates really like. So I look at him as an outfielder. He can play left. He can play right. He, you know, he's he's rangy. I like players that can do more than one thing. I think he can occupy. You know, he can definitely occupy right field for you. But if you have guys coming in and out, I still think their outfield could be improved. You got Springer in center, hopefully, but you could have Castellanos in right. You got Teoscar in left. You can move some pieces around. Because I think in a perfect world now that you have Chapman, so third base is occupied. You have Vladdy. You have Bichette. Second base is still kind of up in the air. Does Espinal get at-bats there? I think it'll be a rotation. But if you could get Castellanos in your outfield, Teoscar Hernandez could be your everyday DH. And I don't think Teoscar Hernandez would love that proposition, but that would be the best spot for him because he's not a great fielder. Even in left, he has his problems. I don't think he reads the ball really well. He's often late on breaks. And I think Castellanos would be a better fit in that outfield. Teoscar Hernandez, because you have that vacant spot. Everyday DH, he can play some outfield when you when guys need an off day. But that's what I would do. And maybe Teoscar, in spring training, he can take some ground balls at first. Because Vladdy will want the... You know, a DH game, I, I assume like once a week they'll do that with, with Vladdy Guerrero Jr. So he's a DH every now and then. T. Oscar could play first that day. Um, But that's what I would do. I would look at a guy like Castellanos, who I know can play the outfield. He's the, He's got a great bat. He's got some flair. And it opens up for a better – you want to have the – 
You can have really good power bats, but that's not the that's not why you win more often than not. You win with great pitching and really good defense. Well, if your pitching is going to be average, then be really, really strong defensively. Have guys that can make plays to make up for a ball that's hit. Chapman can make that play. Castellanos can make a great catch in right. Springer can do that in center. Maybe Bichette can grow into that shortstop role, and before you know it, he's winning a gold glove. He's looking like a stud out there. Maybe. But as I look at it right now, that would be a great fit because it opens up more things for your lineup. You have Kikuchi, you got Manoa, you got Ryu. You go through your starters, uh, Jose Barrios. You, you can go four to five deep already. And, you know, I listened the other night, Keegan Matheson, who's a, a base Blue Jays reporter for the Toronto Sun. Um, he was talking about how Nate Pearson's being stretched out. And they'll likely start him the season as a starter, see where that goes. If I'm the Toronto Blue Jays, you all, when they first got Nate Pearson, they envisioned him being a 33-star-a-year awesome guy, sub-3 ERA, just a horse. He goes into the playoffs. He pitches like Roy Halladay. He pitches like you know the greats. He just throws smoke, you know, like John Schmaltz. But I don't think that's the best-case scenario for this Blue Jays team. I just mentioned the starting pitching isn't great, but what did I all last year? All you heard about the Toronto Blue Jays? Well, their bullpen stinks. Well, their bullpen is struggling. You know, you're seeing the flaws with this team. Well, if I'm the Toronto Blue Jays, Nate Pearson, I want him as my late game. He might be a closer. He could just be a seventh, eighth inning guy. I truly, even though Andrew Miller who obviously was with the Yankees for a while, was with the St. Louis Cardinals. He is one of the best relievers in the last decade, at least in the in Major League Baseball. I view Nate Pearson as an Andrew Miller, a guy that in a playoff game, in certain games, can give you four to six outs. He can come in in the seventh inning, get an out, pitch the eighth strong, get to your closer. Those guys are invaluable. I think Nate Pearson for the Blue Jays could occupy that position. He's going to throw 97 miles per hour coming out of the bullpen. He, his slider is 85 miles an hour. This guy is incredibly hard to hit. He's got a very, you know, a good diversity of pitches and he could be your middle reliever, but in huge spots, he can get holds for your team, hold the lead for your closer and potentially be the Araldis Chapman, if you will, of the Toronto Blue Jays where Yep, Pearson's likely not going to be throwing 100, 102 miles per hour, but he's going to be throwing strong. It's going to be – you have a guy coming in, in and out. You have different relievers. Well, then you got him coming out throwing smoke, fastball, fastball, fastball. And that's difficult for guys to catch up to that when they're not used to throwing, when they're not used to seeing pitches go by them that fast. So that's something that I – you know, I think Pearson is an X factor this year for the Blue Jays because – this team still has flaws, but like as I pointed out, every team does. And to me, I like their team a lot even before the Chapman ad. But to me, they're now the favorites to win the American League East. 
And I'll even go as far as saying this. If they don't win the American League East, if, if they don't make the playoffs, I mean, that's a disaster because it expanded. But if I think if they don't win the American League East this year, it's a disappointing season. This team, it's been long enough where it's, well, we're growing and we're progressing. Like, you don't want to be, just to make a correlation, you don't want to be like your counterparts in hockey where all you hear is, oh, we're learning lessons and we're doing it like you could. I was a shitty student. Eventually I learned, I don't really like this stuff. Let's see, let's get out of here. I'll figure out a different way. Uh, I think the, for the blue, this Blue Jays team, they have enough veteran experience. They have enough really good players that, number one, the, they shouldn't fear anyone in this division. They shouldn't fear the Yankees. Yes, the Yankees have this aura because they're the New York Yankees and they play in the Bronx and you know, Garrick, DiMaggio, you know, all, the, all the greats. But that was eight decades ago. The Yankees are just a team now. Jeter's gone. A-Rod's needles still might be somewhere in that facility, but they aren't what they used to be. They're going through this renovation where they're adding more veteran players to their team. And Donaldson is on the tail end of his career. Who's catching for them on a daily basis? Other than Garrett Cole, I mean, do you trust Jordan Montgomery? Do you trust Diego Garman to pitch every other day? You can poke a lot of holes in this team. So I credit the Blue Jays for making the deal, adding more money onto their payroll, because this is what Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins said they would do when they tore the team down originally. They said, when we get when we're, we get rid of Donaldson, Russell Martin, all the old pieces that were here too long and couldn't win anymore. Once we got rid of the trash, so to speak, we will spend money. We're going to go through rebuild. We will be competitive. Well, they're doing it. They signed Ryu. They they have Vladi and Bichette on the cheap, but they added, they re-signed Jose Barrios. They traded for him. They traded for Matt Chapman. They're not afraid to make moves. And I even read today that they're kicking tires on Jose Ramirez, who's the second baseman for the Cleveland Indians. Oh, sorry, Cleveland Guardians. Uh, I have to get used to that. Uh, but... I, I don't think Cleveland is going to trade him, but I I I think it's something I, I think it's something they should really try. Because getting a second baseman, another stud in that lineup just puts you even more ahead of the game. Puts you out in front, and then you're like, well, who's better than us in the American League? There's the White Sox. The Astros are going to lose Correa. They're losing one of their most important players. Zach Grinke left the Houston Astros. He's going to the Kansas City Royals. Just signed there. So, who really And as much talent as you can add, add it. Do whatever you can to put yourself in the best possible position to win a pennant, to win the World Series, and to be there at the end. I think they're doing it. I still think there's moves to be made. They missed out on Kyle Schwarber. And honestly, I think this is a this is a net positive that Kyle Schwarber goes to the Phillies. Schwarber's got a bat that can get hot. And 
The one thing I don't like about Kyle Schwarber is one month he'll bat 340 and the next he'll bat 208. I like consistency. I don't like a guy just to be crazy hot and then he's so cold when you need a big hit and he can't do it for you. Schwarber's a good guy to have. Uh, I think the National League is on an even, you know, even playing field now because they have the DH rule. Before, you had to have a guy like Schwarber play in the field, play a position. And he, although he's you know, improved his, his physical shape over the last number of years, um, I think Schwarber for the Phillies will be a designated hitter more often than not. I mean, you have Harper in the field. You have guys that can occupy those positions. So we'll see. But there's still a lot of moves that got to be made. I mentioned Castellanos. Freddie Freeman still isn't signed. He's still available. Where is he going to go? I mean, I doubt it's the Blue Jays. Do the Red Sox make a big offer? Is it the Yankees, Dodgers? Is there a team that we're not expecting that that signs Freddie Freeman? He thanked the Braves today, saying goodbye to them. Well, he still hasn't he still hasn't joined another team. Trevor Story, shortstop. I'm sure teams want him. He's got a power bat. I, mean, I have my worries about him leaving Colorado, but a team will give him good money. And there's obviously Carlos Correa, who is one of the most important players on the Houston Astros the last number of years through all the success. Whether that's tainted or not, Correa has been a really good player. Where does he go? What team scoops him up? Beginning of the offseason was the Tigers. Now I read that, well, the Tigers are out in Correa. Of course, the Yankees are in the mix for Carlos. Does he go to the Yankees? I don't know, but all these guys got to get signed. I mean, we're spring training games start tomorrow. The season starts April 7th. That's three weeks tomorrow. So these guys got to get to spring training, make sure they're in shape, get ready. I mean, some of these free agents are pitchers. Is that enough time for them to ramp up to be ready for opening day? I have my doubts about that, but for these bats, can you be ready to play game one? You'd like to think so, but again, it's about having continuity. It's about having your team ready, having all the pieces in place for you to go win a World Series and be prepared from day one to go in there, grind it out, 162. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be doubleheaders. It's going to, there's going to be some times where you're like, oh, I don't want to be playing today, but you do it anyway. And of all these, I, I, Correa is number one for me on my intrigue list. I want to know where he's going. How long is he going to hold out? How long is that contract going to be there for him? Where is he going to go? But I think he, depending on the team, he might just go to a team that gives him the most money and they might be a team that, that doesn't win anything. Teams splash around money like crazy. Texas gave Simeon and Story two of the biggest contracts in free agency. Texas didn't make the playoffs last year. Texas is a little desperate to be competitive. I don't think it's a guarantee the Texas Rangers make the playoffs, even with those two players. Corey Seager's injury prone. Marcus Simeon had his career year on a contract season. That's always a worry. Can he duplicate it? Can he even get half of the production that he had last season? I'll have to wait and see. But where, where Correa goes, where does Freeman land? I think he'll be on a contender. I think he obviously won last year. I don't see him going to a team that he at least doesn't think has a realistic chance of making a run at, at a World Series. At this point in his career, he wants money. 
but it's also about where can I possibly win. If he signed with the Yankees, got a good chunk of change, I think you could still sell it to yourself. Hey, we got a chance. We got Garrett Cole, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, you name it. And Trevor, where does Trevor Story end up? Does he stay in the National League? Do the Mets scoop up? If Correa doesn't go to the Mets, do they scoop up Trevor Story? Pair him with Francisco Lindor. You know, there's still a lot to be decided. Clayton Kershaw signed. Certain guys are back with their teams, with their respective teams. But there's still a lot of guys, a lot of free agents out there that need a home for this upcoming season. And they don't have one. So baseball is moving. This free agency period is heating up. Um, Here's different stories every day of where a player might go, rumors of, of where they might end up. Now, to me, there's good fits. And then because you can do the model of, you know, I just mentioned Seager, but I look at Dougie Hamilton in hockey. He went to New Jersey, signed for a boatload of money, but over the course of that contract, is he ever going to win anything? That remains to be seen, but New Jersey is not a team that has been competitive for the last number of years. If you're a Carlos Correa, do you go to a team that is just offering the most money and then you're going to lose? I don't think he's going to love that. I think he's a competitive dude. I think all athletes are, but he's used to being on a winning organization that's winning team. That's why it's great for Matt Olson and Matt Chapman to leave the Oakland Athletics. Oakland was competitive the last couple of years despite not spending much money. But they got rid of some players. They're moving in a different direction. Bob Melvin went to San Diego. And now you're looking at it saying for Chapman, for Olson, we're under contract, we're making decent money, and we now have an opportunity to win a World Series to both of us. Olsen's with Atlanta. They won it last year. They still have a very good team. Chapman joins the Blue Jays. He can say, you know what? I had no chance in Oakland. Maybe uh, I have a great season. We get Springer, World Series MVP, Vladdy Bichette. Let's go make some magic. Let's go win a World Series. It could change your career. He's got two more years. He's 28. When you hit free agency at 30, you have a couple of really good seasons in Toronto. You can either cash in and stay, or you leave and, and you hit – you know, the Brinks truck elsewhere. But that's kind of where I see this going. I, there's going to be some teams that give out a bunch of money just to say that they did. I think we see that all – I've seen it in the NFL where there's a lot of money spent. I really don't know if they got that much better. There might be a move or two in there where you go, okay, I really like that. You know, that's, that's smart. You know, they got no linemen. They needed that protection. But I talked about the the trade yesterday from, from Colorado for Josh Manson. That made a lot of sense because the fit works. The team, what did the team need? This is where I think trade deadline and the draft are complete opposite. My draft philosophy is simple. You draft the best player available, in particular in the first couple of rounds. After that, you can draft for positional need if you want and hope that the player sticks. But if you're drafting in the first round, the first, anytime in the first of these sports, it's so critical to hit on first round picks. But if you see a player, we need a goaltender, and you have a higher grade on a, on a center that you have four of, but you drop the goaltender because you needed a goaltender, that's the wrong way to do business. 
you draft the best player available. And if you need to trade one of those guys that you've drafted to get a goaltender, that's what you do. Because you don't want to be stuck with a guy down the line where that player goes on to have success and the goalie, you can't trade for a bag of chips. Free agency, who it's who's the best player available, but my position of need. Who could who could help me? Who, who's the missing piece of the puzzle? Josh Manson? I think Colorado thinks, you know what? Josh's a tough physical defenseman. He could be a perfect partner for one of our offensive guys. That works. Is Drew one of those pieces? We've talked about it yesterday. I'm not so sure. But if you're, you know, Toronto, is Jose Ramirez that missing piece at second base that you could play every day, and then you have a loaded, loaded infield with Chapman, Bichette, Ramirez, and Guerrero Jr.? No team would be able to match. Not even the Dodgers could match that. Even if they grab Freeman and you throw Muncie in there and – you know, for whoever you want in that infield. Seager's gone. They still have um, they still have uh, Trey Turner, but they wouldn't be able to match that kind of firepower, that kind of an infield. So still things to be decided, but I, I credit Blue Jays management for saying, you know what, we're in a position where we could win here. We could we could go on a deep run, we could win a World Series this year, but we're missing that corner infield spot. It's something we've struggled to address since Josh Donaldson left. Matt Chapman's available. He's a really good player. Let's go deal for him. And they did it. To their credit, they did it. And, you know, baseball's wide. Again, still a lot of signings to happen. Still wide open. We'll see what happens. Um, ben Murray's going to join me in about uh, 20, maybe 15 to 20 minutes. So we're going to get into... A lot of different things. We're going to talk about some uh, some stories in football. We'll talk about the Jays trade for sure. March Madness preview. We got she printed off a few brackets today. Um, you know, uh, if you if you're into this March Madness stuff, you want to fill out a bracket. Feel free to reach out to me. I did uh, Seamus's forum. I um, I'm not going to apologize if I'm wrong, but I will take credit if I'm right. Um, and, but again, uh, it's just fun. I don't, I don't fill one out myself. Honestly, I keep these, I keep a bracket in the man cave here because I mark down who wins and losses. That's how I keep track of all this stuff. But, um, if you want to fill out a bracket, you want to talk about the games, you, you know, feel free, reach out. I, I'll be, I'll be watching. Uh, you can guarantee that. Um, so, so that, um, That'll be uh, forthcoming uh, throughout the next couple of days. But, yeah, Benny, we'll talk some football. We'll talk March Madness. Blue Jays might even get to some hockey talk. But um, I'm not going to get – I was going to start with Vegas with hockey briefly. I'm not going to start there because I've talked about them a lot lately. Um, kudos to two of these teams. And I, I look at these two Canadian teams that really were, were write-offs early in the season. They had terrible starts. Their goaltending wasn't great. They weren't getting production. And that would be the Vancouver Canucks and the Winnipeg Jets. And the Vancouver Canucks all year were basically JT Miller show and hopefully Thatcher Demko can play some fantastic goaltending because otherwise you're in a tough spot. You didn't have a whole lot of depth. You didn't have a whole lot of guys you trusted. Your defense core was weak. 
and ultimately they had to bring in Bruce Boudreaux to replace Travis Green. But, and like Vancouver, Paul Maurice said, I'm done with Winnipeg. He had enough with coaching. He left. Dave Lowry goes on the bench. Wasn't an easy start. But both these teams have found their stride. They're both in the midst of a playoff hunt. And despite having, you know, impending free agents like Luke Shen and like uh, uh, Andrew Kopp, who would be a guy I think a lot of teams would covet from the Winnipeg Jets, JT Miller, these teams have continued to play hard, continue to battle. As we sit here today, the wild card, wild card race in the West sits as follows. You have the Minnesota wild card. Minnesota wild is the first wild card team. They are, have 72 points, two, uh, two points behind the national predators. Although they do have two games in hand. Vegas occupies the second wild card spot. Although they played 62 games on the season, the most in the NHL, they only have 20 games remaining and they're struggling right now. They can't, they can't get a save. Jack, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll touch on Vegas in a minute, but they're in the second wild card spot. Dallas is just outside that wild card. They have 67 points, although they have four games in hand on the Vegas Golden Knights. So they're in a better position. Then there's Vancouver, 67 points. They are a point out of the wild card. They played 61 games. So, and I always make this point games in hand only mean something if you win them. So for Dallas, with no high skin in, they don't get a goal last night. Toronto's, you know, AHL goalie shut them out. So, you look at Dallas, you love that top line with Hints and Joe Pavelski and Jason Robertson. But lately, other than that line, it's gone quiet. Sagan, Bradulov, Ben, they've been non-existent. They're, they don't provide anything offensively. So Dallas is going to hope that they can get in, but that's no guarantee. So you have Vancouver tied with Dallas, and then you have Winnipeg, who have played 61 games. And they are at 67 points, so a game out of a wild card spot. And the reason I say kudos to these teams is it's easy to, you know, throw in the towel. It's easy to say, well, Kyle Connor's going to have a great year. He'll score 40 goals. He'll have a career, you know, he'll play fantastic. But you know what? This wasn't our year. Hellbuck wasn't great. Shifley had injuries throughout the year. Wheeler has lost a couple steps. And it might be time for the Winnipeg Jets to completely rebuild. And that still might be the conclusion after this year. Because Winnipeg, I mean, you look at it right now, they're going to miss the playoffs, more likely than not. I mean, they're at 66 points, but they'd have to jump, they'd have to jump Vancouver, Dallas, and Vegas to make the playoffs. And Dallas has so many so many games in hand on these teams. But you see Wheeler is starting to find it. Kyle Connors never lost it. Mark Shifley is going to compete his ass off every night. And they're just finding ways to win. Paul Stastny's contributing. And the way I know Kevin Day off, this Winnipeg Jets team is not going to deal cop at the deadline. At least I don't think so. I think he wants this team to make the play. I think he knows he's been the GM since day one. He's all they know, but also at the same time, he's never been able to get them over that hump, get them to a Stanley Cup final, to be a true perennial contender. So... Mark Chipman and the ownership in Winnipeg might say, you know what, we need a different voice. We've had Chevy, but we want a different guy to lead us into the future, to really give us the best opportunity to win. So I think they're going to keep their team. Maybe they make a small move at adding. Maybe that's the move they make. But, 
you know, looking at that as well, Vancouver. Elias Pedersen's found his game, but he's injured right now. They still find ways to win. Um, JT Miller continues to be a horse. Tyler Myers has played better under Bruce Boudreaux. Thatcher Demko continues to be a stud. I mean, you discredit Vancouver because I, I look at their team and they're just not that good. They're not a very good roster. They're not a very good team, quite frankly, and they still find ways to win. And it doesn't matter who you beat. Okay, they beat the Devils last night. They played Detroit on Thursday. They should win both those games. But it's not, you know, you play as on your schedule. Like Edmonton beat Detroit last night. You don't lose points for beating a bad team. It's the same number of points if you beat a good one. Horvat to go. Horvat's been great. JT Miller had another three point night. Tanner Pearson had two points. But I, I just look at the team, and they have guys that just come out there and compete every night. Horvat hasn't had a great season offensively, but he's battled hard lately. Quinn Hughes hasn't. You know he's been okay, but he's only got five goals on the season. That's not a. That's not Quinn Hughes. He's got forty four assists, which is really good. But again, he hasn't exactly been what you expect. Connor Garland has been. He's been okay. For Vancouver, he's got 14 goals. He'll likely get to 20 by the end of the season, but I think they expected a little bit more him coming over from Arizona. But they've got good goaltending. They got a coach that they believe in, and their best players continue to deliver. Every night, JT Miller comes to play. Every night, he brings his best. That's that's what I love so much about him. I'm a playoff team. I'm not quitting on the JT Miller trade offers yet because you watch him last night. You watch him every night with Vancouver. He cares so much. He wants – it's so important for him to win. He believes in this team. I'm sure it would hurt him to leave. He's had 24 goals, 49 assists. That's phenomenal each season. But you can just tell he wants this Vancouver team to succeed more than anybody. And he would be such a great fit for a lot of teams. I'm sure the Rangers sitting there looking at him saying, JT, you know, hey, could you please just slow it down a bit? Could you lose some games as we, this is the last week before the deadline? Vancouver beats New Jersey last night, a team that's going to miss the playoffs. Then they have Detroit. Again, Detroit could win that game, but you got to expect Vancouver is going to go in there, take care of business, so they continue to roll. As we get closer and closer to the date, Vancouver has Calgary this weekend. That's a tough opponent, but it's a divisional rival. Those two teams always battle hard. Who knows how that game goes? But my point being is these two teams just haven't quit. I think they're vastly different when it comes to the future. I think Vancouver, you got Horvat you'd like to keep. You got Pedersen. You have guys in place. Wheeler's on the back end of his career. Shifley, I still think, is very good. Kyle Connor is a superstar. If you were to trade him, you'd get a boatload for him. But Hellebuck's inconsistent. Morrissey, Pionk, you don't really have a number one defenseman on, on that team. So if I'm both these teams, I'm not trading off. It would it would hurt to lose Kopp for nothing. I'm not good. I'm not, I'll fully admit that. It would hurt to lose Andrew Kopp, who I really like as a player. I think he would be a perfect, you know, I think him and Lowry in the past have been great on that third line. They, uh, Lowry hasn't had a great season. But Kopp just competes his ass off. 
every night. He can play in all situations. He can kill penalties. He's gritty. He'll check. He'll do whatever you ask of him. That's the best attribute I can say about Andrew Cobb. He's not going to complain. He's just going to do what he has to do to get by. So what's there not to like? I mean, you'd love to, to trade him. And maybe, you know, they play Boston on, on Thursday night. So that's a team uh, – or Friday night, sorry. So that's a team that's going to be in the playoffs. See, those games are important to stay in tight with these teams like the Dallas's like the Vegas. And so they got before the deadline, they have Boston. Then they go to Chicago. That's only two games. So these teams, it's not a whole lot of time to screw it up or to make you think, Hey, we're out of it because yes, Dallas has games in hand, but maybe they don't win them. Maybe you stay in the hunt. You're like, Holy crap. We're right there. As the deadline approaches, we get in who knows in the West, who knows? Again, Calgary looks like a great team, but they have no pedigree in the playoffs. They're not a team that's proven anything. So would you totally fear them? I think you'd be you would say, okay, this team's going to be tough to beat. But it's also, hey, we won around last year if you're Winnipeg. If you're Vancouver, you say, hey, we won around the year before. We've had more playoff success in the last couple of years than Calgary has. You could you could, you know, paint it that way and say, you know what, we're in a decent spot right now. We could win this. But I think you just got to give credit because I don't think either of these teams, I think Winnipeg's obviously better. I think Winnipeg overall as a team is a disappointment. Because of Shifley, Wheeler, Connor, Morrissey, Hellebuck, you expected this team to be better. You expected them to be ahead of the Nashville Predators in the standings. But Nashville, I watched I watched a lot of that game last night. It was bouncing a lot between a lot of different games. But – Nashville is a sneaky, sneaky good team. They're now third in the Central. Just two points back of St. Louis. But, you know, Philip Forsberg, Matthew Shane. But they get these guys that are just unknowns, that they get on the cheap, that are having great seasons. Obviously, Roman Yossi's been, been a stud. He might, you know, they talk about Makar. Yossi could easily, you know, win another trophy as well. But you know, I think Nick Cousins has been a good ad. He he's pissed off people. He plays that gritty style. Tanner Janot, who's got 19 goals now after last night. He's a 24-year-old rookie, undrafted. Um he fits in. He's got a big body. He can get chippy if you want. But he, you know, he's got 96 penalty minutes on the season, so he's not afraid to mix it up. But he just plays his ass off every night. Made the team out of camp. Has played every game this season. I like him a lot. See, Luke Cunning is a guy that, you know, he's a guy that, another guy. He Again, he's a chippy type forward. But Tomasino, this team just, they work hard. And when they need it, Yossi steps up for Duchesne or Forsberg. They still have their big boys. But this Preds team is going to make the playoffs. Maybe they could get home ice. Who knows? But I, the more I watch them, the more I'm like, I don't really want to play this team. Because Saros could be a goalie that just gets super hot in the playoffs. He's the smallest starting goalie in the NHL. But he's one of the more consistent. Because he just makes the saves. He's always calm, cool, collected. I, 
I used I I still like Minnesota, but the way they played lately doesn't have me excited about this Minnesota team, about their prospects. You know, they're trading off trading off guys to help Colorado open up cap space. And they're hoping things stick. And you still have Marcus Felino and Erickson Eck, and it's a tough team, but they're in a playoff spot, I wouldn't say comfortably right now. But I I think Nashville is more more likely to, even though they're only two points up, I think Nashville feels better about themselves right now than Minnesota does. Sometimes it's just about your mindset. I mean, Minnesota has Boston tonight. Boston's coming off a back-to-back. They got a win last night in Chicago. But how, how does Minnesota play? They still have question marks in that. Talbot, Kakinen are working it, working through it. But it's tough to go into you know the playoffs when you don't have a defined number one goalie. And you have a banged up defense and you look at your forward group and say, do they have enough? We have Kaprizov, we have these guys, but do we have enough scoring to compete with the top end teams? That's a question mark. So, yeah, I, I, I just look at some of these, like Nashville, I, I, I really like their team. I think they've only gotten better throughout the year. Los Angeles, I mean, they lose last night to Colorado. That's no, that's no shame. But, you know, it's going to be a battle in, in the Pacific because you have L.A. with 74 points currently. They're second in the Pacific right now, but not, Edmonton's got two games in hand. But Edmonton still has major question marks because Edmonton, yeah, they win last night 7-5 or 7-4, whatever it was. But Koskinen's been playing good net, but he lets in five goals last night. And there's still – do you trust Koskinen to win your playoff series? Absolutely not. Um, you don't trust him to play fantastic when you need him most. So LA's young. They got question marks. Edmonton still does. Vegas, I touched on it. Riley Smith is hurt now. They don't have Mark Stone. They don't have Alec Martinez. They're banged up. They don't have Robin Leonard. Jack Eichel just doesn't look involved enough. It's way too casual, this team, for the position they're in, how casual they play. That's one thing I notice about them. They just don't seem to have a purpose out there. You know you played the most games in the NHL. You know you're going to need some help down the stretch, and you just play cat. You play like it's not a big deal. That pisses me off. If I'm a Vegas Golden Knights fan, I say... I'm irritated. I'm like, okay, we're, we're a good enough team. We should make the playoffs. We shouldn't be in the mix with Edmonton and LA. We shouldn't be behind those two teams. But Edmonton, Vegas, LA, Vancouver, in the Pacific, Calgary's going to make it. I mean, they only get, they get 79 points. I think they'll get some more wins down the stretch, get a bigger lead. They have a five-point lead on LA right now with three games in hand. But – the West playoffs are going to be interesting because I think the East is loaded with Tampa and Florida, Carolina, you know, Toronto. These teams that have are really good, I think, cup contenders. Out West, obviously Colorado is going to be at the forefront. St. Louis is – I like St. Louis. Um, I think they could go on a run this year. Now, is it Ville Husso or Bennington? To me, it's Ville Husso right now. If I had to pick a starter for game one, they still have their, their flaws. But I like the Blues team. Again, Nashville's tough, but a lot of these teams haven't proven anything. Minnesota, Dallas, Nashville. 
So I think the West is more of a hot mess. The West is going to be, on paper, it should be Calgary, Colorado, Western Conference Final. I don't know if it's going to be that way, though, because, again, we've seen in past years where things just don't go right for one team where it's a lock for them to get there. All those years was, well, Washington will be in a cup final this year. They run into Pittsburgh or they run into red-hot Yaroslav Halak when he was back in Montreal, and that team that won the President's Trophy that was the favorite ultimately didn't get to their you know get, didn't get to their destination. So again, I'm, I think the playoffs in the two sports upcoming with playoffs when you got NBA and NHL. I'm looking forward to them both so much. Like they're both going to be spectacular. I, I think the NBA is going to be really really competitive. I think the NHL playoffs in particular out West might be competitive just because the teams aren't very good. LA, all these teams aren't very, aren't that great, quite frankly. St. Louis is, I think in the next cup, you know, the next month to get to the playoffs, they should take a step. They should be at least 10 points clear of Nashville, of Minnesota, of Dallas. And maybe they will be. Come come the uh, come the end of the season, maybe they'll be in second spot, locking it down, and it's Nashville, Minnesota, battling it out to see who will play them in the first round. But in in the next month, it's about for something. It's just about making the playoffs. I also think it's about separating yourself and making yourself a contender uh, down the home stretch. But I see we got our guest on the line, so we're gonna bring him in. He's uh. Rocking the Blue Jays cap uh, quite fittingly for the for the big move today, but we haven't spoken to this man since the end of the NFL season. So, um, Benny, good to see you, and uh, how are things uh, in your world? What's up, Jug? Thanks for having me back. I love uh, the new setup you got there. Uh, it looks good. I love all the interviews you've been going with, too. I got to say, I think uh, maybe I enjoy the Doug McLean interviews a little more than everybody else. There's a lot of <laughs> inside columbus talk I, I absolutely love so you're doing great things and uh happy to be back on no i i appreciate that uh yeah no doug's doug's great uh all those great columbus stories i, I was thinking of you when i get him on because i'm like you're the only columbus fan i know uh it was and, it was pretty neat because you had him on right before the uh, rick nash jersey retirement right yeah, i, I listened to your week. interview i think what it was a monday or tuesday maybe and then the jersey was was retired on the Saturday and he spoke at the, the retirement ceremony. So it was kind of cool. I got, I got a healthy dose of Doug McLean that week. Yeah. Um, is, is Rick Nash the greatest blue jacket of all time? Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. And he was like, he's the reason I'm a Columbus fan and I, I'm proud to say that uh, I get the criticism people like you see the trolls on Twitter when we announced his Jersey retirement, it's like how many playoff wins does he have? How many cups? It's like, ah, zero and zero. So, but besides that, like it was almost more what he meant to hockey and Columbus. Like there's mm -hmm. a fantastic video they showed at his retirement ceremony and it was narrated by Sean Corrali, which was pretty cool. And he cool. just talked about the influence that Rick Nash has had on the city. And you see the numbers in minor hockey and they just skyrocketed over the years. And the barn, like, they're in a rebuild this year, right? But the barn, like, it's packed pretty much every game. So just the influence, I think, that he had on hockey and Columbus meant so much. Um, 
and obviously the things he did on the ice he owns pretty much every franchise meaningful franchise record right. so he's without a doubt he is the the best blue jacket of all time i would say yeah i i agree and good good for him you know screw the trolls i mean geez he, he had a great career in columbus so uh yeah they they can they can shut up um blue jays make a deal today matt chapman coming over from the oakland athletics they love to trade for oakland third baseman uh <laughs> What did you make of the move, and what do you think it means for the Blue Jays? So it worked out well last time, so let's hope that happens again yeah. with a nice little MVP season. Um, don't get me wrong. I love the trade. I love it's an upgrade, like a substantial upgrade, especially defensively. Like the guy is a machine. We don't have to watch Cabin Biggio try to throw it across the dime bed anymore, which is nice. Um I would have preferred Jose Ramirez, but I guess beggars can't be choosers. Uh, Matt right. Chapman's bat, it's, I mean, it's a very right-handed heavy lineup they have right now, so it would have been nice to add a lefty in there. And he's more of sort of a, a power strikeout guy, which is fine, but I think they could add a little on base and not as much power into that lineup. But at the end of the day, it's it's a good trade. It's a huge upgrade from what they had, and it's it was their biggest need was a third baseman, so I'm pretty thrilled about it. Yeah, I said that at the beginning of the show. I think I think the Chapman trade is a better move than getting Freddie Freeman. I think Freeman, you could say, is a better player, but I just don't see where Freeman was going to fit in with him and Guerrero both playing first base, where Chapman, you need a third baseman. They haven't had one since Donaldson. I think this was their biggest position of need, and they checked that box today. Absolutely. Like Freeman, as you, like you said, it would have been nice. What would that have meant in the lineup, though? Moving Vladdy over to third base, not ideal. Not that's ideal. Well, that's, that might be worse than Kevin Biggio. Yeah, no, yeah, you're you're bang on there. So it would have probably been like splitting time, first base and DH. It would have just it would have made things a bit awkward. And you're right, third base was exactly what they need. So they hit the nail in the coffin there. And I still saw rumors today that they were exploring the idea of adding Jose Ramirez as a mm-hmm. second baseman. And if that were to happen, then. I already think it's – Do you would you agree it's World Series or bust for the Jays at this point? I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, but we're, we're approaching it with the rotation. Yeah, I, I think if they don't win the American League East, it's a it's not a successful season. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that for sure. And I think maybe going into next year, if they do win the AL East and they don't do anything in the playoffs, I think next year those expectations may be sort of World right. Series or bust at that point. Especially because you got Vladdy and Bichette making no money right now, yeah. right? Like they don't have their new deals, so it's like having a rookie quarterback. You need to, chart, you know, get get it now. Like go win one now. Chapman's got two years, so that's nice. You have two kicks at the can with him before you have to consider paying him or getting a new player at that position. Springer's locked in long term, but I totally if they could, I think they had the best team in the American League East already. I think you could argue. They might have the best team in the American League right now. They have their flaws, but I think I think it's just depending on where you watch it. Like in Canada, the Blue Jays are going to get picked picked to pieces, just like the the uh, the Maple Leafs, which I wish they wouldn't because it's just ad nauseum. But nevertheless, uh, you know, I think the Blue Jays get talked about their flaws a lot. But if you look at the Yankees team, they look real. They look like a senior citizen's home to me, Benny. I mean, Donald's. I love JD, great player, but he's not what he used to they're not getting 
even half of what he was in Toronto. He's had a he's had a tough couple of years down in there in Minnesota. Oh yeah, the Yankees line like half of them should be wrapped in bubble wrap. I mean, right. as big and jacked and good looking as Stanton and Judge are, like they're an injury they, waiting. They miss half a season every yeah, other every year. year. Every year, and DJ LeMahieu, he wasn't quite as good last year. So you're right; they have a lot of flaws, and I think the Jays are by far they should be the favorite in the AL, uh, the AL East. But um, Tampa, like, there's sort of like that gnat that won't go away. I never understand it. Um, they'll be good. They'll have these random young guys that come up and are somehow disgusting. These bullpen guys that haven't been good their whole careers that they turn into. 100 mile an hour fastball machine so they'll be good but uh it's exciting it's exciting to be a blue jays fan yeah no for for sure um do you want to see them add another starting pitcher do you think they need another starter the jays yeah uh i think the rotation is pretty good like i obviously if an injury happens, it's a little concerning, but looking at the top five, I'm pretty content with what it's looking like right now. Um, if Manoa can be what he was last year, that's sort of the big question mark I have. Um, it was nice to see him do it in his rookie year, but now teams have a little more tape on you. They can scout you a little better. So let's see if you can do it again. But uh, I mean, if you have, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, right? The, the Japanese guy or Korean guy, they just signed. Oh, yeah, Kikuchi, yeah. As your fifth starter, like that's solid right there. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with what the rotation looks right now. And if I'm the Jays, something I do, and I kind of, I look, I look at Nate Pearson. I don't want him as a starter. I think he's far just commit to him being in the bullpen, which I know is tough for them right now because they want him to be a starter. But what if he's the Andrew Miller of the Blue Jays or the Zach Britton, you know, one of these really important guys that could get you five to six outs in, in, in playoff games and really big moments. I think that could be his landing spot. And that's fine too, because those guys are so valuable, especially as you get later into the season. Oh, I could absolutely see him being a machine, like you said, the Andrew Miller type, where he's not necessarily the closer, but you bring him in in those high leverage situations where you need that big strikeout or you need, like you said, that mm -hmm. five, six outs. Um, long term, I, I feel like it would be tough convincing him to be a reliever. Right. I feel like in his mindset, like he's he wants to be that starting pitcher, sort of like all pitchers do, right? You're a starter until they force you to be that reliever. Um, so I feel like that would be hard long term, but this year, like we have the five starters sort of in place right now. He's a heck of a weapon out of the bullpen for sure, throwing as hard as he does with uh, some good off speed too. Yeah, where do you think the best landing spot for Freddie Freeman is? <laughs> I wish Toronto, but it seems like it's down to what now the Dodgers, Boston and Tampa somehow in the mix. I don't understand. Yeah, I can't see Tampa giving him money. <laughs> yeah. That's what I keep seeing there in the mix, but I don't understand it at all. Um, I guess I could see Boston being a decent fit. They have, I think it's, what is it? Doll back at first base. I'm yeah. Not sure first they base need, they is. need, they need him. Yeah. So I think he would fit in their lineup real well. The Dodgers, I mean, do they need them? No. Will they get them? Probably. It wouldn't surprise me. They're just <laughs> the Dodgers being the Dodgers. So, um, but to be honest, like he's a guy that he could fit anywhere. Like he's that good. He's so good. 
um, just a pure hitter. I love watching him him play the game. So wherever he ends up, they're they're going to be lucky to have him. Good Canadian boy too. Yeah, um, yeah, he's he's a half and a half. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the Red Sox will make the because Dahlbeck is not a guy you want playing every day, uh, and yeah, the Dodgers could move Muncie over. Which you know, the Dodgers could just sign and say, "Well, we got him. You didn't." I mean, that's kind of what they like doing anyway. But um, I mean, yeah, there's still some really good players out there. I mean, you got Trevor Story is still a free agent. I mean, Carlos Correa, that one's so interesting to me because I is he going to go to a team that could possibly win or just go to a team that for the most money? And that that's why I'm interested because I think Correa is a really really good player. And I do think he's a competitive dude. I don't think he'll be happy if he just takes the most money and then at the end of the year he's sitting with 62 wins playing for the, the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, I still think the best fit for him is, like, right where he is, like Houston. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if he should leave. And I, I saw, I don't know if there's any truth to it, but that Houston is sort of circling back on him, seeing if there is any interest there. Because you're right, I, I do think he is sort of has that competitive edge and he won't want to just keep losing and losing because I think he went through that a bit at the beginning of his career in Houston. Yeah. Do you think the Mets will look at him? Uh, they love to spend well, money too. I <laughs> Yes. Um, Uncle Stevie over there with the deepest uh, pockets in the league. Uh, I can't see it after they just gave Lindora that ginormous deal. Yeah. Uh, Cause they'd have to convince one of them to move either to third or second. And I, I feel like those shortstops, like they never really want to make that move. Um, right. I couldn't see that happening, but I mean, who knows really? <laughs> I'll throw a, a team in the mix and half of this, cause the team lost this, a really important player to injury. But what about the Padres? Cause I think they kind of want to put Tatis in right field anyway. He's got a big ticket and so does Machado Darvish. But again, you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. Uh, the Giants are still really good. The Dodgers are what they are. I, I think the Padres c- could be a sneaky team. Maybe they throw an offer to, to Correa and or Story to see if they have any interest. I, I like that a lot because I think as good of a hitter as Tatis is, he's really not a good defensive no. shortstop at all. So, and you, they experimented him in center field, I want to say a bit, but I think ultimately right field or a corner spot would be the best fit for him. Um, so if you load up a shortstop there, whether it is career or story, I think that's a great fit right there. From what I understand, they're ch- they want to offload uh, Hosmer's contract before I think they commit to anything mm-hmm. big. But if they were to find sort of a, a suitor for Hosmer and get rid of him, I could absolutely see them making a run at either, like you said, story or, or career if they wanted to make the biggest splash. That's the problem is there's no salary cap. So a team doesn't have to take your bad contract if they don't want to, because then they're just paying, you know, that's one good thing about the salary cap. People can complain about it, but I guess that's one good, uh, one good mechanism of it. Um, NFL free agency. It's been a wild couple of wild past couple of weeks. Um, Of all the quarterback movement over the last couple of weeks, which, which one had the biggest impact for you? Uh, I I think it's gotta be, Russell, I would say, just off the top of my head, uh, he's sort of the biggest name, unless you want to include Tom Brady in this, maybe then, but we'll leave Tom out of this for now. So I think it's the Russell trade. It's big. Um, I'm a little 
concerned. I think Denver fans should be a little more concerned than they are because mm. Russell, he's not the old Russell. The guy can't move like he used to. Um, he, he doesn't have those legs. And from watching him last year, like there was nothing that showed me he's still in that top, the the most upper tier of quarterbacks in the league. So I, I would be a little nervous if I was a Denver fan. Um, but if he can sort of regain uh, some of what he used to be, I mean, they're a good team and uh, they'll be a threat, even though they play in that absolute beast of the division now. So um, I think he's the biggest one. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's been so many. Who else is it? Trubisky to Pittsburgh, obviously. The Baker situation is getting very <laughs> odd. I think yeah. he's, he's good as gone now. Like that tweet last night he had, he basically said, kissed his goodbye to uh, the city of Cleveland. So um, that could get interesting in the next couple of days. And then all the Deshaun Watts and stuff too. The, the quarterback carousel is, is, uh, is nowhere near done at the moment. Yeah, I'm with you on Russ. I think it's a move they had to make. I get it. I still think he's a good quarterback, but you, he was the fourth best quarterback and, you know, he's the, they were the fourth best team in the NFC West. I think he got traded to the third best team in the NFC or the AFC West. So it's not that I, I think the chargers, I think they've had a really good free agency. Like Herbert's a stud. Um, they, they're good, but I, I agree with you about Russ. Just he, he's not the same player ever since the last couple of years. He, he takes so many sacks and that's got to catch up with you. And I, he was the best option for sure, but I like I'm a guy who likes Derek Carr. I know people like to kick Derek Carr, but I think he's a pretty good quarterback, honestly. And you know, the Chargers go get Chandler Jones today. I, mean, I, I look at this division, Benny. It's great at quarterback. If you look at it at pass rusher, it's elite too. Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, you got uh Bradley Chubb and uh Randy Gregory, you got um Khalil Mack. And uh, Joey Bosa, like these offensive lines better know what the hell they're doing because their quarterbacks are going to be on the ground quick if they don't. Yeah, those division games are going to be fun to watch. And you mentioned yeah. the the rust taking all those sacks, too. And a lot of people like to throw criticism on the offensive line right away when you see those numbers. But I've seen some sort of like deeper stats looking into that and take those stats for what you will or whatever. But from what I've read a bit, a lot of those sacks aren't necessarily always on the O-line. It's Russ doing, trying to improvise and going mm -hmm. somewhere where the O-line's not expecting him. I've heard that he, he likes to sort of do his own thing on a lot of plays, which lead to a lot of these bad sacks. So um, obviously the O-line's got to help him a bit, like you said, and that beast of a division. But uh, I think he brings a lot of it upon himself too. Kansas City still the favorite in that division as of right now for you? Yeah, to me, it's sort of like uh, like a New England in the AFC East for that long time. It's like you're you're the champ until somebody proves that they can knock you off, like Buffalo did to New England. So I think as as long as Patrick Mahomes is still Kansas City's quarterback, um, I think they're they're the top dog until somebody proves that they can dethrone them for now. But like you said, like. It's going to be close now. I think the Chargers are, are on the cusp. You mentioned they've had a good free agency. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the Khalil Mack, if he can stay healthy, I think he's still a force. You bring in 
JC Jackson and uh, combine them with Derwin James, like they're going to have a good secondary, good pass rush. Pass rush. So I think they're they're on the cusp of, uh, of breaking out into a real contender. Yeah, they're they're good. I, I wouldn't want to play them. That's for sure. Uh, and you know, it's interesting because we'll get to the the Baker of it all in a minute because that's just so fascinating. But um, what have you made of New England's pretty quiet? free agency period thus far yeah they they've done next to nothing right i saw matthew judon tweeted yesterday it was sort of a gif of like i don't know exactly what it was it was sort of like do something do something but i mean they made a lot of big splashes last year in free agency so i mean i wasn't expecting them to do a whole lot i was a bit surprised they they let jc jackson go as easily mm -hmm. as they did I was a bit surprised too. They traded Shaq Mason to Tampa yesterday um, for a team with not a ton of whole line depth. I thought that was a bit interesting. Um, so it's not ideal. Obviously, you want your team to be out there bringing in some big names and helping uh, boost the roster and spots that you need. Um, but I also don't find it surprising either based on just what they did last year and they made all those huge moves. So I think it was bound to be a bit slower this year. Yeah, I think that's fair, and you got it's a strong wide receiver draft. That's clearly what they need more than anything because Jacoby Myers is good, but Aguilar is going to be gone. They still have Henry and some some tight ends there, but you know Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London. I think it's incumbent on New England to finally draft a receiver and draft a good one. You know they 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 need Mac Jones is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. I don't think he necessarily makes wide receivers better. I think it's kind of the other way around. And I think they need to identify the one they want. And if they have to trade up in the draft to get them, I would do that. Yeah, based on all the mock drafts I've seen so far, like one of those guys is going to be on the board at that point. But like you mm -hmm. said, if you're scouting, if if you think the guy you want is going to get taken a little a little before your pick, I, I agree. They need to trade up. They need to get that weapon for Mac and do all they can to give him uh, – the weapons that you're right like he, he does need some some elite receivers outside uh to make his job a lot easier because he is that good not great quarterback yet hopefully he gets there yeah i mean Traylon burks is a ton of fun i think he's gonna be like olave wilson drake like they there's some good damage like i'm the draft's less exciting about quarterbacks but i think skill position players there's a ton of really good players there Let's get to Baker Mayfield because, oh, this guy just never ends with content, uh, progressive, uh, you know, whatever else he's doing. Uh, but latest report as we're talking, that's 20 minutes ago. It just came up my phone. ESPN report says departure likely, uh, even if Deshaun is not acquired. Cleveland wants a, quote, adult at quarterback. Whoa, that's a big word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I mean – was that letter not one of the most weird things you've ever seen last night? When I saw that come up, my phone, I said, what the hell is going on? He's still on the it, team. That, that's exactly my thought. I'm like, did I miss like the part where he got traded here? Like what's yeah. going on? Cause I was like a blatant, like goodbye. It was, it was so odd for a guy that's still with the team. But uh, yeah, I think at this point he's good as gone. How do you bring a guy back in the locker room after he just <laughs> said all those things? So um, the thing, I think he goes to Indy. I think that makes a lot of sense. I know they've floated around the idea of Jimmy G, but I could see him uh, landing in Indy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me too, because Indy, 
they could get Baker, be competitive. I mean, quite frankly, they'll probably be what they have been the last couple of years, right around the playoffs with, with Baker. But you stay in that mix. You hope you can get a quarterback next offseason if there's movement, things of that nature. But um, if I'm Baker, I, I really I'm not on I'm not one of those guys that say, oh, he, he's at you know, the team's at fault for this. I he battled through injury last year. I get that. But he played like crap. And he's it's always, oh, it's Odell's fault, or it's not, you know, it's all and it's never him. And he's got a really he's got one of the most talented teams in the NFL. And somehow it's the quarterback's the most important position, but not for Baker Mayfield, you know, not for the Cleveland Browns. So I'm I'm not one of those people that I don't have a whole lot of pity. I don't have a whole lot of I don't have a whole lot of support for Baker from from my view anyway. Yeah, I kind of agree. You can only make the the excuses for so long, essentially. Um, at the end of the day, at some point, you sort of are what you are. And maybe we haven't seen his full potential yet. And maybe he does need that that fresh start and sort of coming off the injuries. Hopefully he gets it and shows us that he is a good quarterback. But yeah, I'm thinking back. I feel like, was it a Green Bay game in prime time? I remember yeah, watching Christmas. Yeah, he threw like eight million bad, bad interceptions. Yeah. Like it was painful to watch. And it's like, dude, I know you're injured, but still like some of this is on your eyes and your eyes, you can still see as far as we know. So uh, yeah, he, he has some improving to do because uh, you're you're bang on. Like you can only make the, the excuses for a guy for so long. If you're, I, if you're Deshaun Watson, You've heard the teams, you know, he's got a full no trade because he can basically decide where he wants to go. There's Atlanta rumored, potentially Philly, uh, New Orleans, Carolina, Cleveland met with him. If you could pick any of those teams, where would you go? Uh, to me, it's Philly uh, for right. sure. We saw what they could do. I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts. Yeah, he's shown flashes. He can be a good quarterback, but I think uh, you can do a lot better than Jalen Hurts. Uh, they made the playoffs with Jalen Hurts and a couple games from uh, from Gardner Minshew. So they're clearly like they're a good team, solid defense. Uh, maybe you could add a couple weapons, a receiver. Um, so I think Philly's the ideal landing spot. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I feel like him and uh, Hurts play sort of a somewhat similar style. So I don't think you have to change the offense like all that much to what it is now. So. Um, if I'm him, that's where I would want to go. Uh, and you're not like Philly's for the most part, a good franchise sort of like, you're not going to Cleveland where it's always a dumpster fire and it's, it's never seems to be a good situation. So I think if I was him, that would be the top of my list, but I like some of the other spots too, like new Orleans, I don't think would be uh, terrible. Atlanta, meh, I'm not sold on that, but uh, Philly is be at the top of my list. Yeah. Philly, they got, some good players they got decent receivers and you're in a division that you could win in year one you know i think i think cleveland's intriguing obviously you're right about ownership and the you know the waste that they've done there but i they traded for amari cooper they still have some great running i mean their team is really good uh and they could still make some moves to you know, they got rid of jarvis landry they cut austin hooper today uh, but they still have Njoku at tight end, so they still do have a, still have a great offensive line as well. But um, Philly wouldn't be bad. I do think I, Carolina scares me because I don't trust that team just to to do smart things. You could say the same thing with Atlanta, but I think if you're if you're Houston, 
I think Atlanta would be in the back end of my wish list because I don't want to take Matt Ryan. He's got a huge contract with that cap number. I, if I'm a team, that's not that attractive to me, especially Houston. I think they just plan to lose next year, get a high draft pick with Davis Mills. So maybe it's, a t- you know, maybe, I, I don't know, because I, I, I don't know what happens with Matt Ryan, but it seems like he's not going to be in Atlanta next year. Yeah, you're right. That's sort of a, what it feels like at this point. You're right, Houston, like Matt Ryan's not, like if if he was uh, making like five mil a year as a backup mm-hmm. QB, then that would be a great situation. You bring him in and he can hopefully mentor uh, the next QB, whoever, if they think it's Davis Mills, and sure, if they want to go draft somebody else, we'll see what they do. Um, but him making as much as he does, it doesn't really make any sense for the situation uh, that they are in, in a feel sort of like a lose now situation that they're in, try to build, do that rebuild. So uh, I don't think that makes a lot of sense for them either. Um, but I feel, yeah, it's weird that the whole NFC South really seems to be, even Tampa Bay was sort of in the mix before Brady was coming mm. back. So it's interesting. If, if you're, say he goes to New Orleans, if you're Atlanta, do you call Indy to see if they want Matt Ryan? Uh, yeah, I think Atlanta, I think at this point you do anything you can to get rid of Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they should be he, like, he's a good enough quarterback that I don't think you're ever going to be sort of in the last play. Like you're going to be stuck in the middle with him, right? right? right. Sort of the last spot you want to be in as an NFL franchise, you either want to have those top picks or you want to be in the playoffs being stuck, just missing the playoffs or just 11th, 12th in the draft, like it's going to do you no good at the end of the day. So I think getting rid of Matt Ryan uh, should be a priority for them. At this point. And I also think Matt Ryan in Indy, it's a weak division. Houston's not going to be any good. Jacksonville spent a lot of money, but they're still very young. Tennessee looks to be a good team, but again, second best team right off the jump. They could push for the playoff spot with Matt Ryan at quarterback in that division, I think. I think they could, they, they, they wouldn't be out of it. You know, they'd still be competitive. It'd be like adding, you know, Phillip Rivers when they did a couple years ago. Yeah, I think like Matt Ryan in the right situation, I think he can still be a good, effective QB and lead a team to the playoffs. And I think somewhere like, that's a nice little linchpin to have. Yeah. He's never had a good running game since Foreman, since that Super Bowl, really. You're right. So, yeah, if you could just hand it off to Johnny Taylor 30 times a game, establish some play action there, like I think it would be a pretty good situation uh, for him there. And I think you're right. They could easily compete for a playoff spot right away. Do you think – and I, I've said this for the last couple of weeks. I think San Francisco should keep Jimmy Garoppolo this season because I don't know if Trey Lance is ready, number one, but also, he got them to an NFC Championship game last year. Whether you like him or not, he did that. And he's not the worst problem to have to have two quarterbacks that could play on your roster. Yeah, Trey Lance sort of feels like the biggest mystery in the league at this point. No one, no one sort of knows. I mean, we saw a brief brief glimpses of him last year. Um, mm. It's tough to judge a guy just on the amount he played. Um, we're not seeing sort of all the practices and what he's doing uh with those reps in practice so he's a huge question mark and it is very interesting to see what they what they'll do with the situation I agree I don't think like Jimmy Garoppolo hurts their chances by any means I think 
if anything, he, he helps them a lot because if Trey Lance does struggle uh, and you got right. rid of Jimmy, Jimmy G, what the heck do you have to fall back on, right? You got nothing. So uh, mm-hmm. at least he's sort of a, a security blanket there if they do need it. I find it funny Jameis Winston hasn't been signed yet. Maybe it's got something to do with the Deshaun Watson of it all, but it might be tough for him because if he goes, if New Orleans gets Watson, where's he going to end up? It's a game of musical chairs. There's not that many seats left. Yeah, I always thought, I thought he would be signing back in New Orleans. I thought like it was a decent fit for him. He showed flashes. He looked pretty decent mm-hmm. in the first uh, couple weeks before he got injured. So I sort of thought it would be almost like, uh, hey, you look good. Let's bring you back and give you a full season and see what you can do. Um, so it is interesting. It does seem like they're trying to hold out and get, like you said, the Deshaun Watson in it. So we'll see what happens. As long as uh, Taysom Hill is not taking snaps, I think their fans will be. Will be yeah. yeah, Taysom Hill can be a tight end, running back, anything but a quarterback. Oh, I'm happy to see him on the field. But if he's if he's the one catching the football uh, and it's not in a receiving route, I'm not too ecstatic about that. The New York Jets have signed a backup quarterback. You care to guess who that is? Yeah, I, it was Joe Flacco, right? Oh, Joe Flacco just doesn't go away. And wasn't there for like, what, three years? Two and a half million. Oh, two and a half. Okay. I thought it was more than that. But I mean, good for him. I, I guess. can't believe uh, he's still in the league. <laughs> oh, it's when you, because I feel like every year he gets in like one or two games and you're like, wow, this yeah. guy's still playing. And he, he looks awful in those games. But. Uh, I I guess he's a good mentor. I guess Zach Wilson likes him. So Mm -hmm. that would be my best guess. I would think Zach Wilson maybe had some influence in that. Who knows uh, what the Jets are doing. But yeah, Joe Flacco, he doesn't want to go away. Same was it was it Chase Daniel? I also saw back in LA. He also that guy's had a heck of a career. I would love to be him. Five career starts, forty-one million (laughs) dollars. I mean, that's the dream right there. Yeah, and he lives in LA. Yeah, that's... <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'll sign up for that. Um, <laughs> how about this? Um, Marcus Mariota, back up to Justin Fields. They play similar, probably learn the offense. I don't think, you know, I don't know where he's going to... He might go somewhere else, but I think that would be a fit if he can't find a starting job. Yeah, that's good. I, I think that would be a good mentorship for fields because you're right they do play that similar style where they like to mix in the run uh get some of those rpos in i do think i i almost feel like that's uh, tough to say that i would like to see him get another chance as a starter to see what mm-hmm. he can do it's been so long since we've seen it and he gets in vegas like he'll certain packages are designed for him um and he's looked decent so i would love to see him get another starting job it probably won't be on a a very good team but i would like to see what he could do as a starter again i think he deserves that shot um but i do think chicago makes a lot of sense in the backup role for for a guy like justin fields to uh to learn from is seattle gonna start drew lock are they really gonna do that that is a tough you trade your star quarterback and you go with him with your fan base that's a tough one to sell it's sort of what it feels like though i don't know why they would have yeah, looted him in the trade almost if they didn't plan on at least letting him compete for the job. Right. That's right. What it feels like, but yeah, you're right. I would not be thrilled if I was a, a Seahawks fan. <laughs> now I, I feel like yeah. Pete Carroll too. Like, 
if I was him, like, dude, you're, what are you, 70 years old? At this point, your team's going to stink. What a, I'm shocked he's still coaching, but I mean, credit to him. Uh, I guess he loves the sport, so. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. Uh, now there's a rumor that apparently Seattle might be kicking tires on Baker Mayfield. Doesn't surprise me. He'll be rumored to, it'll be like Deshaun Watson. He'll be tied to like eight different teams by the end of tonight. So Baker's agent and uh, Jake from State Farm will be releasing some, uh, some news on where Baker might get, might end up. It'll be in a commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, lots of, lots of movement and it's, but you still got Tyron Matthew out there, Winston, Mariota, like there's still some good players. So, I, I I think for me, I give it to the Chargers so far. I do like the Vegas. I like that Vegas got Chandler Jones, so they're staying competitive. I think this division, you're going to have to be really good to win it, but um, I like I like the Chargers, and I also give Jacksonville some credit for at least getting some offensive line. Like I don't think they're going to be good next year, but Trevor Lawrence, don't let him get sacked 60 times. You know, Don't be Andrew Luck. I, I like that they're addressing that at least going into next season. Yeah, I, I sort of have mixed emotions on the Jacksonville signings. Like the old line, that's good. The Christian Kirk one was a big question mark for me. Yeah. They're paying him like a wide receiver one when uh, he's probably like a solid number two receiver on a team. Like good for him, get your money. And it mm-hmm. sort of feels like a situation where Jacksonville, you you do have to overpay a little bit to get players to come there. Um, and good for them. Like they have money to spend and they're spending it. But I was a little little mm-hmm. puzzled by uh the kirk signing but hey you got to get trevor lawrence some weapons somehow and uh o-line like you said that's a good place to start don't let them get beat up every other game cincinnati did a good job too with that o-line i thought they, they got, big, uh, yeah like yeah Kappa, and yeah i i like i like what they did and the tom, the tom brady effect in tampa was pretty uh, it wasn't much of a surprise, but after he signed, you saw they got the center Jensen back and then Carlton Davis, who I don't think they thought they were going to be able to mm-hmm. resign initially. He's back. So it made sense. Tom Brady's retire or coming out of retirement, the timing of it made a heck of a lot of sense right before free agency. What was more surprising that he retired or that he came out of retirement? I think it's got to be that he retired yeah, yeah. clearly he didn't want to like i was such a weird move uh i just keep thinking of brett Favre. i'm like tom we're better than brett Favre. we don't have we Thank shouldn't you. be doing this I buddy. That on monday yeah, oh. yeah i'm like this is cringy i love you tom but like if you're not sure about your decision like wait on it a few weeks like it's you don't right. have to do this right now so I wasn't thrilled by it from Tom. Like Do you, you think said, he yeah. just retired so that he could tamper with San Francisco to see if they wanted him? <laughs> yeah, because I, I, yeah, if he was coming back, I would have absolutely had my money on San Fran. I was a bit surprised that he is going back to Tampa, but um, yeah, that's funny. He might have that might have been exactly what he was doing. Because <laughs> he's retired, feel- you can go talk to Shanny. You can go talk to anybody, and it's not against the rules because you're retired. I'm just saying he better thank New England fans when he retires for the next time. He better at least mention us once in his five Instagram pages. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to say, Tom, if you're listening out there, yeah, yeah. thank me specifically. We'll let Jim Gray know on the Let's <laughs> Go or whatever the podcast that they do together. Um, 
I know you're a big college athletics guy. You, you excited for March Madness? I'm pumped, man. It's like it's like Christmas Eve. The four of the best days of the year. I love yeah. it. I don't like college football. I get invest, invested in Michigan State. Like a huge love them, love following the team. I don't really have a team that I get invested in in college basketball quite as much. But I mean, March Madness. How can you not get into it? it it's so fun. It's basketball for. 12 straight hours for four days in a row right there's always always crazy things happening you obviously you have the bracket to follow so no i i love it it's it's four of the best days of the year for sure i got the bracket in front of me um any uh any teams you like any upsets so so the upsets there's the obvious ones that scum school michigan it's not even an upset. They're 11 seed. The NCAA. I don't know how they got into the tournament. And Texas yeah, it's, it's a joke. The NCAA handed them a bone. They should have at least been in like a play-in game. Yeah. Um, so that's the obvious one. Everyone's picking them, and it's not. It's not even really an upset. They're favored, I think, by a point in the game. So mm -hmm. um, that's the obvious one. The other one I'm seeing a lot: is South Dakota State over yeah. Providence. Providence is not a very good team. Uh, even though their record looks good and they won the Big East, which is a very good conference. Um, but all the underlying metrics sort of show that they're not a great team. And uh, South Dakota State, they haven't lost a game in like months and they shoot shoot the three well. And I think that's always a key to pull off an upset in March. You got to, if you can hit those threes, you can either come back in a game or you can pull ahead um, in the blink of an eye. So I like South Dakota State. I think they could pull it off. Vermont is another team I don't mm -hmm. mind. I think I think they can have a good chance, and uh, I think Loyola Chicago is another team that a lot of people are, are on. That's another. I think that's a ten-seven matchup, so it wouldn't be a huge yeah. upset. Uh, I think Ohio State's getting discredited a bit. I know they didn't finish the season very well, um, and I, I just everybody loves Sister Jean, but I'm not huge on Loyola yeah. Chicago this year. <laughs> They're not as good as they've been in years past. So no, I don't, I don't no, they don't got Cam Crutwig and some of those guys that they've had in the past yeah. for sure. I um, I look at like tonight Rutgers and Notre Dame play. I, I think if Rutgers wins, I I I like Rutgers over Alabama. That's one game I kind of have my smell smell test on. Um, how about Michigan State Davidson seven ten? Uh, I mean, talk about a matchup for TV ratings. That was so predictable because of the, the foster lawyer thing. This guy was like Mr. Basketball in Michigan. He played, I don't know, one or two years at Michigan State, transferred to Davidson. So it was very predictable, um, but I expect it to be a good game. Michigan State's a, they're a weird team. Like they could go out and beat Gonzaga mm -hmm. one night and then they'll lose to some terrible team the next night. They're very Jekyll and Hyde. So. They're tough to predict, but a lot of teams, obviously, in college college hoops are tough to predict. That's why no one I, gets I think Baylor's got the toughest draw because I I think Tech uh, UCLA is a really good team. I think uh, Kentucky is a really good team. I like uh, Purdue, even Virginia Tech. The Hokies have been good. St. Mary's out west. I they got a tough road. They're, I don't think they're going to repeat, but if, even if they want to go deep, I think they got a tough road to get there past even the Sweet 16. I don't know if they'll go any farther because I like UCLA a lot. Yeah, I don't have Baylor going. Uh, I think I had them maybe Elite Eight, but you're right. They have a tough road. 
Uh, UCLA, I'm hearing I'm hearing they're a little banged up. Some of the good players, uh, so I, I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. But uh, I have Kentucky getting out of that region. I think they can win in multiple ways, whether it's a shootout or a slugfest. I think they have that in them. So that's the team I have in that region. And you mentioned Virginia Tech too. Like, there's mm -hmm. a lot of interesting teams. It's sort of like, do you want to ride with the team that's coming in hot? Sort of like right. a Virginia Tech or an Iowa or Tennessee. Or do you want to go with the teams that maybe didn't do much in the conference tournament, but were good all year, like the Auburns and uh, Illinois, a team like that. So it should be fun. It should be fun. So what's your final four? Uh, what do I have here? So I, I'm pretty chalk here. I went Arizona, Gonzaga, mm -hmm. Kentucky, and Auburn. So I think that's two one seeds and a two two seeds. So very chalk uh, in the championship game. I have Arizona beating Gonzaga. I think Arizona is the most complete team they have been all year. Uh, mm -hmm. The Pac-12 we saw last year, it was very underrated. Um, it didn't get enough credit. So I think Arizona is the best team in the country, and I have them I have them cutting down the nets at the end. Yeah, they got a really good team, and I think Gonzaga is really good. I, I think both those teams – Gonzaga, obviously, I think – They've had great teams, but I think this is their best chance to win. For, even though they made the final last year, I, I think there's. You mentioned Arizona is really good. But there's no like team that you're like, okay, I'm scared of this team, or they have a whole bunch of pub going in. You know, they're just. But I I, I watched Arizona UCLA Saturday night. That was a really good game, the Pac-12 title game, and both those teams are really good. And Arizona can beat you, like I said, in a bunch of different ways. And I like their I like their depth um, when it comes to the center position, the guards. Like I. But th this tournament's so fun. Like you mentioned, it starts tomorrow at one o'clock uh, noon uh, your time for uh, for Eastern. I'm gonna have to sneak a computer into work because yeah. I, I I I gotta watch it. I gotta follow it. You know, it's it's oh, it's it only happens. Right. Yeah, you it mentioned because. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Cutting you off. No, it only happens once a year, so you, you gotta consume as much as you can. No, absolutely. And players to look out for, for those of you that don't follow college basketball until now, you got to watch uh, Chet Holmgren and Gonzaga. Mm. The guy is an absolute string bean, like seven yeah. foot, but weighs like a buck ten soaking wet. But he's like, he's going to go top five in the NBA draft. And he he's fun to watch him and Drew Timmy. Like they have a good, good front mm. court. So keep an eye out for them. Yeah, I like him and uh, Jabari Smith from Auburn. Yeah, he's a really good player. He's he's good. Um, I like Panchero a lot more in the beginning of the year. I find he's kind of drifted throughout the season from Duke. I uh, maybe he's kind of like their team. I just find he's too in and out. I don't I don't I don't love him as much as I did originally. Yeah, Duke. I don't I don't trust their defense quite enough to go go to the end. They give up a lot of points. I mean, Virginia Tech went off against them. Um, and even you saw their last Coach K send off there against yeah. North Carolina, like their defense was just Swiss cheese. So I don't think uh, that'll catch up to them eventually. And you're right, Paulo, like he has some games where he's locked in and you can tell he's easily the best player on the court and he sort of takes it over. But you're right, there's other games where he sort of, you look at a stat line halfway through the game and he's only taken like four or five shots and it's sort of like, dude, like you're you're the best player here, go show it. So. Uh, we'll see. You're right, though. It's so fun. I can't wait. I I just got texted this, and I hope it's a joke. Yeah, no, it is a joke, but number one overall pick in a league-wide fantasy draft. Who do you draft, McDavid or Schmaltz? 
Yeah, we're going recently. I think you got a lean schmaltz here. Yeah, recency, recency bias. bias. He's on fire. He's the best player in the league. Yeah. No, um, so we head down the stretch here. You think your boot jackets will trade off Domi, any other piece at the trade deadline, or do you think it'll be pretty quiet? Yeah, I think it's they're trying to get rid of Domi and Corpusal and maybe a depth defenseman. I don't mm-hmm. expect them to get much if they even are able to get rid of them. I do think Max Domi, he's played pretty good hockey recently. He's not like going to light up the score sheet, but uh, he brings that fire and he's sort of like a, he'd be a good depth bottom six player on a playoff team. I think um, maybe some people don't seem to like sort of his attitude and the way he carries himself on the ice a lot of times, but uh, I do think he could help, help a team out. So Hopefully he gets traded uh, and Corpus Al, he's been awful. So I don't think they'll get much for him. So yeah. it'll be a pretty quiet deadline for them, I think, but we'll see. You've been happy with line A's production lately? It was, I was just thinking before I came on the last time I was chatting with you, we were talking right before we started recording about how bad the jackets have been and how, specifically how bad line A had been. I think since that day, he's been probably like a top three goal scorer in the league. Like the guy, he was on an absolute heater there for a while. And he's still yeah. playing good. So, I mean, he, he's like so jack on high. Like right now, I'm like, yeah, lock this guy up eight, eight times nine. Like, I don't care. Give him all the money he wants. But then we'll talk in a month. and I'm like, yeah, this guy is useless. So whatever. He's kind of that streaky player. He sort of always has been. But when he is on a tear he is he is fun to watch yeah he's a perfect one to two year player because he needs he needs to be motivated to play well i think giving him a long-term deal would scare the hell out of me if i was a general manager but um benny it's always fun chatting with you i uh we'll do it again soon but thanks for taking the time man and uh we'll we'll talk again soon sounds good thanks jug enjoy the basketball you too that was Ben Murray, everybody. He uh, great to talk to Benny. He's always got. He's always excited. Always got great takes. And uh, he's a New England fan. He likes Columbus. He's got a wide variety of teams that he roots for. Michigan State. So I appreciate that he doesn't just stick in the New England area or just you know stay with the the Maple Leafs or the teams that are just at the at the surface level that you can just pick and it's easy. So good chat with Benny. March Madness technically started last night, first four. He had um, Texas Southern beating Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and he had Indiana get past Wyoming. Two more games tonight, Wright State, Bryant, Rutgers, Notre Dame, and then the real stuff starts tomorrow, uh, and I cannot wait. I, I love this tournament. I There's a lot of great stuff. You know, speaking of the Valspar in golf, you got hockey, you got basketball. I just want to close out the podcast by saying um, – Congrats to the UMB women's team for winning game one of their best of three series last night against Santa FX. Um, obviously, the better half of the Warren children uh, is, uh, is on that team. So congrats to Tally and, and the women down there. Uh, hopefully they can close it out tomorrow night um, as they head on the road to St. Francis Xavier. So I'll keep you guys posted here on the podcast. But be back tomorrow, solo show tomorrow. Uh Casey will be by Friday. So that's what's uh, on tap for the rest of the week. I'm sure we'll still have lots of more news in the hockey world and in the uh, baseball world and in the NFL. So 
We'll get into all of it as the week goes on, but have a great night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is To The Point.